out here. Captain! Signatures detected. Shields up. Signatures detected. Context Southeast Command. What's happening? Context Southeast Command. Delay that order. Context Southeast Command. This is the captain. Context Southeast Command. Get out of my chair. Chair, 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 chair. We have engaged the Klingons. 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 Welcome to The Greatest Discovery. It's a Star Trek Discovery podcast from the makers of The Greatest Generation. I'm Adam Pranica. I'm Ben Harrison. Ben, today we are talking about the third Short Treks episode, the third of four. Yeah, and uh, I think a very unusual uh, Greatest Discovery episode in that we are in the same room at the same time. Yeah. Has that ever happened for Discovery? I don't think so. Yeah, we're in the immediate aftermath of our... December LA Greatest Gen Con Tour Yeah uh, I thought I'd go on a rant for a second About how bad CBS All Access is As a thing Oh yeah It's been a long time since we've gotten one of those I mean I don't like I know that like season 2 is coming up And we'd love some advertising money Or whatever but like Are you about to rail again Beloved corporate entity CBS All Access <laughs> A thing that Star Trek fans love the fucking interface is trash. Yeah. Like, it is so bad. <laughs> just now I have the episode we watched open, and I wanted to pause it and just, like, have it have it ready in the browser in case I wanted to scrub around and look at something while we're talking about it. It When you pause it in the browser, it, it takes it and it takes the entire frame and puts it into a tiny little thumbnail down in the corner so that you can look at the CBS All Access logo where you would normally just see the paused image of the show you were trying to watch. That is so stupid. <laughs> is, it, is it trying to allow you to watch multiple CBS programs and pause them at the same time? Like, what, why would they even do that? I think they just really want to beat you over the head with the logo mm. of this garbage software that they have. Yeah, that's not great. I think uh, one of the funniest parts of using the app and the interface is that uh, it alphabetizes all of the programming available there, which makes After Trek <laughs> elevated into like the top line of it's, all programming available. It's like the third most important program that CBS has. <laughs> Yeah, I don't think alphabetical is the way to sort no. everything available there. Yeah. Also, just like searching it was really annoying. I, w- I, w- I clicked on Star Trek Discovery and Short Treks wasn't even visible on th- on that list. And then I had to hunt to find it. And at one point I even searched for Short Treks and was like, uh-oh, mm. your search didn't return any results. We have no idea what you're talking about. Well, I think one thing that's clear is that there spending all of their budget on the production of a few of these shows. And I think that's actually... this short treks is emblematic of of where they're deciding to put their resources. I, I, I withdraw my criticisms. I think that uh, I'd much rather you spend your money on good programming than yeah, good we, software. We need some people out there painting the sand red. Yeah. <laughs> We're painting the, the sand greens red. We're painting the sand greens red. <laughs> it's just... Uh, it's just 50 gallon drums of paprika <laughs> sprinkled and mixed. Uh, I, I don't think that uh, we had any idea what to expect budget wise from these short tricks. And that that has been super impressive. Yeah. And this, this episode is no exception to that. Do you want to get into it, Adam? Yeah, let's do it. It's God, it's like already the third out of four, right? Yeah. The penultimate short tricks, uh-huh. as it turns out, it's short tricks three and it's called the brightest star. 
it takes us off of the Discovery ship for once and plants us onto uh, onto Kaminar, Ben. Yeah, this is uh, Saru's home world. Um, if you were wondering why they're called Kelpians, the opening shots are of them harvesting kelp, literally. <laughs> I wonder if we'll ever get like a Klingon origin story where we see the Klingons just wiping butts. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they had to be conscious of this, right? Yeah. It's very embarrassing. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. (laughs) I I think we've speculated a little bit about what it's like for Saru to, you know, be where he's from and and what his homeworld is like, because he's painted a picture that makes it sound like a real hellscape, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, that as people, you know, were designed to sense the coming of death or whatever. A hellscape that he nevertheless uh, misses and, like, grieves the absence of, as yeah. we know him on the show. Yeah. It, it has been interesting to picture, like, what that meant. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I was, when we were firing up the episode, thinking, oh, maybe this is going to be some shit where he's always running from, like, giant fanged beasties. And uh, and that's not quite what it is. They uh, They have, like, kind of a fishing village mm-hmm. type of setup and i mean like one of the things that they obviously spent a ton of money on is like traveling to wherever they shot this it's yeah. shot on in a beautiful like on location doesn't look like toronto to me no i suppose it could be like vancouver-y kind of area yeah i don't know hard to say wherever they shot it they did a great job yeah as the kelpians harvest kelp so too are the Kelpians themselves harvested by this invisible alien race? Yeah, there's kind of a uh, a floating obelisk, upside down obelisk in the uh, on the beach in their village, and at night uh, <laughs> it like gobbles people up, right? Yeah, I mean people who have marched to it of their own volition yeah. and are and are awaiting what it does. I suppose we should mention too, like the the format of this story is is sort of told in kind of a log kind of way, or an, or via a conversation and voiceover. Yeah, it's a reminiscence of Saru's mm-hmm. uh, in voiceover at the beginning, and and um, it's never clear who he's talking to, or if it's just a a diary. Yeah, he's talking to us. <laughs> His father is a religious leader and part of the Kelpian religious belief uh it, you know allows for them to like self-sacrifice for the baul who are some some off-world alien race that uh, i guess eat them <laughs> yeah much is made of the balance and the need to maintain that balance unclear uh what the baul's half of this <laughs> is <laughs> yeah. like what their contribution to the deal might be at this point for livestock. Maybe they provide them nets to catch all the kelp. Like, <laughs> Enjoy it. Yeah. <laughs> For livestock, the Kelpians are real scrawny, generally speaking. Yeah. Like, Saru's dad is the only one that's really got any meat on his bones. Yeah. Uh, and, and he's, like, older and probably pretty stringy at this point, so... I wonder if 
when you eat a kelpian, all you do is eat their ganglia, and you just throw the rest away. Oh man, it's like a, it's like saffron. There's like yeah. a very small amount of it per plant. Yeah, it's so, so delicious. <laughs> <laughs> it's worth the expense. We should mention uh, at our live show in LA, someone gave us a really thoughtful, cool gift. Uh, some people made candy. Yeah. In the shape of threat ganglia. <laughs> yeah. And uh, like. They're and they're really delicious. They're like champagne-flavored threat ganglia candies. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Really cool. Saru has always been Saru. Yeah. And by that, I mean kind of contrarian and always asking annoying questions. Right. And kind of never letting anyone just, like, do the thing that they want to do. <laughs> so, like, the the form that takes in this past context is that he's, like, you know, in his little hut with his dad and his sister. And he's like, hey, why do we like, why why do we accept this terrible situation as just our lot in life? Yeah. His dad is like a priest. So he's pretty, he's pretty bought into the whole, this is the way it is situation. Saru is under the thumb of kind of a double barreled authority figure. One that is both his father and a priest. Yeah. And that's got to be hard. And like his sister is like, a bit of a trope, like the go along to get along, mm-hmm. you know, she, she loves him, but doesn't understand him kind yeah. of a thing. There's kind of an inciting incident, like Saru, by all appearances, has always asked annoying questions, Yeah, even in the context of these sacrifices that happen regularly, but uh, a piece of the ship falls off, the, the ship that gathers the Kelpians yeah, the, is evidently a little bit of a jalopy. Yeah, and we never see the Baul ship, right. it's just, it's, uh, we see their obelisk and we see the light uh, when, the, uh, when the Kelpians that are being sacrificed get, like, like Saru's dad like leads about 10 Kelpians out and they stand in a circle around this obelisk and then the light bursts on them and we are left to imagine what horrors are visited upon them after that the dad like comes home from a long day of sacrificing his own people and uh drops like a lunchbox off in the corner of the room and Saru's like what's that what are we what are we, what are we talking about here and the dad is like oh yeah that fell off the ship <laughs> so uh, I'm going to wrap it in a knit J. Crew sweater and <laughs> stick it under the bed yeah. before it's disposed of. Saru's job is to go destroy this thing, but instead he kind of uh, gets to working on it and uh, wrenching on it with a weird, like, <laughs> Little Mermaid style set of tools. Like, all the, to- all the tools look like they uh, they grew under the sea. <laughs> <laughs> and... Uh, and uh, he actually gets it working, right? Like yeah. He, uh, he starts, like, transmitting, and it's just kind of, like, uh, calling out into the void, because he doesn't, like... Yeah, there's no, like, instantaneous pinging or anything. He, yeah. it's, it's something that he kind of babysits for a while. He checks on it from time to time. Well, and, and he doesn't even understand, like, anything about where he lives or what how like the cosmology of the universe works yeah the sky is just a a place where death comes from to his people and some of his genius is in just realizing that there might be something past that yeah and uh and the idea is that like they're a pretty primitive society that's being kept fairly primitive by the religion that everybody believes and presumably the baul have some hand in maintaining that it's a conflict that really 
had me wondering who who were the real bad guys of this story. Like, yeah. it seems like the power structure in place on the planet is the greater threat than even the Ba'ul. And, like, the... Like, Saru gets more and more curious about their circumstances and asks questions that probe deeper into, like, the reasons that things are the way they are. Yeah. And his father responds not as a father, but as a priest. And, like, his father, as that priest, is complicit in this entire... In this entire way of living, and... I know, yeah. It made me wonder, like, is that because he knows he'll be spared? He's the guy that is frequently walking people down to the circle, but he's never in the circle himself. Like, he has every reason to maintain the the order of things and to never question why things are the way they are. I mean, he seems pretty content with the idea that Saru could get picked, and it's a little obscure exactly what that means i didn't i didn't think it really unpacked exactly how you're selected for sacrifice but it seems like you know their belief system is basically like if you get sacrificed it's great because everybody's terrified all the time and then and we've heard saru talk about that like the idea of just being in constant existential fear yeah and uh that question seems to be the last straw though when he asks his dad what what he would do if if he got the death lottery and his dad's like, "Cool, that'd be great. You should, you should feel honored by the potential of that." I got pangs of wishing that this was the premise of a TNG episode. Like, what if they met a, an intelligent species and then found out that there's another intelligent species that like puts a religion on them and mm-hmm. and is actually just cultivating them as livestock and eating them? Yeah, but like then discovered that that other species like cannot survive without the arrangement as it is like like how do you solve that moral puzzle or like is yeah. it even any of your business like you know that's a that that would be a real fun thing to see picard sink his teeth into this definitely feels like uh 10 pounds of trek in a five pound bag you know yeah and uh and fun that it is like so little starfleet initially yeah um saru eventually does get a response and i really liked this scene the uh the idea is that he sends out his signal and then waits and waits and waits to to hear back and uh he's like heavily modified this piece of technology that fell off the baul ship so we it's don't full of bones and seawater <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah, he's kind of the uh, like Gilligan's Island level yeah. <laughs> technologist. <laughs> um, but uh, but yeah, we um, we see him copying something down from the screen after having received a response of uh, hello, and uh, and he's copied down the letters that spell out today. Uh, but I really liked that he was writing it right to left. Yeah, like he doesn't he doesn't actually know how English works yet i like those cultural differences uh, yeah. that they show here i also really like how we see the kelpian floss walk you yeah. know of of there's that top down shot on the top of the mountain like they're calling back uh the hooves yeah and stuff like it's it's nice to see all those little details again yeah well uh he and his sister are like walking after he gets this message kind of late late at night in the in the forest around where their fishing village is 
and uh and they're both freaking out because they're like far from home and that's yeah uh kind of flies in the face of their instincts and it uh, sure seems like all anyone wants to talk about is their relativity to danger or safety yeah if you're a kelpian right i think his sister like her performance is definitely like i i understand that I am kind of saying goodbye, even though we're not saying we're saying goodbye. Yeah, there's that like pregnancy to the moment that neither of them address directly. And uh, she gives him a a knife to take with him. Renee blooming flowers. And then we see him kind of up on the top of the hill, up above the village, and a uh, familiar kind of previa <laughs> appears in the sky overhead. And sets down right in front of him, and uh, he gets a visitor from a uh, a visit from a uh, fairly familiar extraterrestrial. Yeah, it's Mirror Universe Georgiou, <laughs> and she kills him on the spot. <laughs> she licks her sword. <laughs> she says, "Wow, these ganglia are pretty good. <laughs> I think I could actually like make a good amount of money off selling these as food." <laughs> Uh, Georgiou is a lieutenant at this point and appears to be a little bit of a tryhard and and she's on her own. Yeah. She's taken a shuttle. She's gone to the Kelpian homeworld uh, of her own volition, it seems. She, I mean, and that's another part of this that is like the 10 pounds of Trek. Mm-hmm. Like so much, there's you can get so much out of this if you've watched a lot of Star Trek. Yeah. Like knowing the issues of prime directive and first contact as they stand in TNG and stuff like knowing like how far outside the norm this is because, uh, and it kind of, it kind of reminds me of like the episode of TNG pen pals where data meets kind of a pre-warp person where data meets Nikki Cox. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, we all meet Nikki Cox that episode. Yeah. Similar weird fingers. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, but I guess Giorgio actually like went through proper channels and got permission to go pick right. Saru up or at least give him the opportunity to like make a choice about being picked up. And uh like she comes down in, in this in this shuttle, it says SHN on the front, which I took to mean it is a Shenzhou shuttle. Yeah, it took that to mean the same thing. It sure does place the Shenzhou in time in a way that underscores what a piece of shit it was when it was introduced to us on Star Trek Discovery. Yeah, like It was always mentioned later. that it was a super old ship. I think it's really interesting, the idea that Giorgio like, worked her way up on that yeah. ship, and the idea that... like She's got the, the Will Riker career path yeah. going. But also like the two top officers on that ship when we are introduced are like like came to her in really weird ways yeah yeah um and that's that's fun backstory as well i mean she's basically saying to him hey like you are as far as we can tell really different from all of the other people on your planet in that you you know had no no foreknowledge of technology or other species outside of your own and the baul uh but you you know, figured out how to make a transmitter out of that thing. And I've uh, got special dispensation to offer you a trip off world, but it comes with a a caveat. It's a one way trip. Yeah. 
I was like, man, if I was Saru and I knew that like, and, and like, I'm standing here finding out that, oh yeah, like there's just an alien species that's harvesting us. And it's like, I totally, it's a totally rapacious practice that is, that puts my species entirely in the victim category. I'd be like, yeah, I'll take your one way trip. And then I will work tirelessly behind the scenes to like engineer an assault on the bowel that, that, right. you know, stops this practice forever or whatever. Like it's, it's weird. That's like a, the thing that I really wish they could have found a way to get into this episode is like something about what Starfleet's position on the bowel harvesting these people is. I didn't stop to consider that, I think, because my mind was so focused on what was allegorical about this story Uh in that, like, I think the dream is to be discovered, to have to have your unique skills recognized and appreciated yeah. so that and you can getting be getting plucked from obscurity. Yeah. And like, there's something extremely hopeful and great about the idea of it. But at the same time, I was going to save this for the, did you like the episode portion of it? But it, that could be this portion. It goes just as well right here. Adam, did you like the episode? <laughs> Star Trek does a, like, has at times done a poor job in looking at the present and in judgment, but I think this episode does a pretty good job at describing a people who have both feet in the past and are unwilling to grasp the potential of their circumstances, unable to confront large questions. Mm Mm-hmm in an effort to better their circumstances. And that question that you asked a little while ago about, like, would if you were offered the choice, would you take Giorgio up on it? I mean, to me, it's like, uh, would you stay on an earth that is content to slowly boil and die of cancer or Alzheimer's or whatever other malady would are you content to remain in a place that rejects science and reads and reason uh as much as society does today or would you punch your ticket yeah. and take that one-way trip and it was all i could think about at the end of this ep like it, it did a really great job in placing the viewer in in saru's position mm-hmm. and his choice is to is to seek the unknown, is to like walk toward fear, as he says. And I think it was a great moment to see him, you know, after a very quick pause, step forward. But in that pause, like you do feel the, the pain of leaving family behind that is inherent in that decision. And I I thought that was really great too. Like the, it wasn't easy. His dad is not like a great dude that he seems to be like super close with, but yeah. he's close with his sister and I think he loves his family and it's not a snap decision for him to be like, yeah, never see them again. Cool. <laughs> In. <laughs> it's clear that he's powerless to change the circumstances there. So the only choice is to leave. Yeah. You like the app, Ben? I did. Uh, I think it does what you say, like, and and that you know trek at its best does this is it provides like a metaphorical thought experiment to ponder our own circumstances from a different angle and 
you know, some of the language in this is like fairly freighted now just because of like contemporary political discourse. Like Mm -hmm. the idea of hope versus fear is like the main uh, thematic tension that he keeps coming back to in his voiceovers. And that is a hundred percent like... It's very au courant. Yeah, it feels it feels very au courant in my mind, and I don't know, like, you know, absent yeah. political usages of those terms would would it stand out to me in that way or not? But I, I didn't think I didn't feel like it it, w- it was didactic or heavy handed in its usage of those terms, and I it felt like honest uses of those terms and not using them to kind of dog whistle a political agenda. I feel the same way. It was so well done. Those themes were presented in a really, in in a better than Trek usually does kind of way. Yeah. Yeah. So I thought it was great. I mean, I think that like the Kelpians themselves, I don't think are that well designed as a, as a livestock species. Like if we're thinking about what something would look like that you eat, Mm. (laughs) I don't think the Kelpians look like that. And I'm not... You know, since we don't see what the Ba'ul look like, I don't. Yeah, I feel it, like it's it's forgivable, but also Saru is, you know, played by Doug Jones, a man who is preposterously skinny, mm-hmm. and uh, they cast his sister to be a very skinny person, and I think all the other extras are just like a normal amount of skinny like for tv people like probably so like skinnier than average people but yeah but not like breathtakingly skinny the way doug jones is right so like they just looked weird to me like i think the way the makeup moves on his face is designed for how gaunt he is and when you put that on somebody that has a little bit more meat on their bones it just looks different and weird and doug jones is so expertly expressive yeah that it really makes you appreciate how great of an actor he is when sharing scenes with people wearing similar makeup yeah when when it's more difficult for other actors to pull that off yeah he has figured some things out about you know like how the mouth opening can be manipulated and um, you know, how he like tilts his head and stuff that feel like they are that species, but some of the other actors weren't uh, mimicking those those choices. Which, yeah, it's part of what makes him great. I mean, yeah. this isn't throwing shade on other actors. It's just like, Doug yeah. Jones is real good. He's real good at this. Yeah. We're lucky to have him. Uh, well, do you want to check and see if we have any Priority One messages? Oh, yeah. Priority One message from Starfleet coming in on Secured Channel. Ben, our first Priority One message is of a personal nature. It is from Mike and Mock, <laughs> and it is for you and me, and the special request is for this to be in a This Old Enterprise voice. Okay. I think, I think we can provide that. The message goes like this. Now, when you're cleaning up the upper decker left by a Krista shrimp colga, you're going to want to use the following materials. A pair of stainless steel tongs, some heavy-duty elbow-length rubber gloves, 250 quats of maximum-strength bleach, and a restroom out-of-order sign. If no solid loafs, you might want to call a master plumber. Happy cleaning. I think we've met the entire 
Mike Mock Colgar contingent now. Yeah. They've, they've all been to live shows. Yep. Uh, who was it? Trigar that was at, uh, yeah, at the yeah, LA Sam Trigar, right? Yeah, he's one of those, right? Yeah, he is. Yeah, we've seen him a couple of times. Yeah, that was really fun. We have another priority one message here, and from section 31. And it is to, oh, speaking of live shows, it is to the DC greatest Gen Con audience. Goes like this to everyone at the DC show who laughed at our P1. That references SCIFs, SF86s, and TSSCI. Thank you. Crewman Daniels will be contacting you to schedule the panel interview. Please remember to note any recent off-world travel on your EQIP and that temporal agent 1811 positions are ineligible for the TSP program. Good luck. I was going to say that they would be ineligible. Yeah, yeah. I think everyone knows that. Yeah, you have to read the fine print on right. uh, on these things. <laughs> uh, well, thanks uh, to everyone who sent a P1 on today's episode. Uh, we really appreciate that. Those help us keep this show going in the off-season. Uh, if you would like to send a Priority One message, you go to MaximumFun.org slash Jumbotron. It's 100 bucks for a personal message and 200 for a commercial message. And they are a great way to support the production of The Greatest Discovery. I spent a lot of last week sick in bed. And one thing I was so happy I had when I needed something to eat but didn't really have the energy to cook myself something was Factor Meals. Got a couple of these in the fridge at all times, and they are delicious, fresh, never-frozen, chef-crafted meals, and they're ready to go in just about two minutes. And this is convenience food that is actually tasty and full of real ingredients and not hyper-processed crap. And they got you covered all throughout the day. They got pancakes, smoothies, grab-and-go bites, and uh, you can get as much or as little as you need by choosing your meals every week. Plus, you can pause and reschedule deliveries at any time. So head to factormeals.com slash trek50 and use code trek50 to get 50% off. That's code trek50 at factormeals.com slash trek50 to get 50% off. What do you think of when you think of male grooming? Maybe it's a sharp haircut and a little bit of product, or a bit of the old beard wax twisted into the ends of a mustache. Maybe it's a shower, a shave, a little spritz of fragrance. Me? I think of shaving my nuts. And not just my nuts, all around those nuts. I'm talking all around those nuts. And this form of male grooming is hard to do when your junk looks like a log of Play-Doh rolled through a dustpan in a barber shop. It's wrinkly, it's wriggly, nothing stays in place, and it's the one area where you don't want to have an accident. That's why I'm glad we're sponsored by the spring cleaning champions at Manscaped. They sent me their brand new Lawnmower 5.0 Ultra. It's their fifth generation trimmer, featuring two interchangeable next gen skin safe blade heads, a standard one for taking a little bit off the top, and a new foil blade to go smooth, wherever your heart desires. They also sent me an extra large Manscaped t-shirt, which I will never wear, but it was nice of them to do. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code TREK at manscaped.com. That's 20% off and free shipping with the code TREK at manscaped.com. Nothing like a little spring cleaning in your pants. Back for another game. You know it. What's going on? Just one more week till Max Fun Drive. 
Hard to believe. It's been a heck of a year since the last one. We're now a worker-owned co-op. We raised $50,000 for charity last year. And we've added a bunch of awesome new shows. But do you think we're ready to do it again? Absolutely. Lovely new gifts are lined up. The episodes will be amazing. And wait till everyone hears the bonus content. Yeah, plus they know to go to MaximumFun.org newsletter, so they're getting all the news. Oh, like that meetup day is on Thursday, March 21st. Then what's bothering you? Me? Oh, nothing. We're all set for Max Fun Drive to start on Monday, March 18th. I just didn't want you to see this coming. Check. What? Hang on! Most of the plants humans eat are technically grass. Most of the asphalt we drive on is almost a liquid. The formula of WD-40 is San Diego's greatest secret. Zippers were invented by a Swedish immigrant love story. On the podcast Secretly Incredibly Fascinating, we explore this type of amazing stuff. Stuff about ordinary topics like cabbage and batteries and socks. Topics you'd never expect to be the title of the podcast. Secretly Incredibly Fascinating. Find us by searching for the word secretly in your podcast app. And at MaximumFun.org. Hey, Ben. Uh, what's that, Adam? Did you find yourself a short Shimoda? Drunk <laughs> Shimoda! Uh, I'm going to give it to Giorgio for having the weird strategy for cultivating a uh, bridge staff on her, you know, on, on the command that she will ultimately get. I think that she meets Michael Burnham way later than this, right? Like, she's already captain of the Shenzhou when Michael Burnham comes aboard. Mm -hmm. So, it's got to feel weird for Saru to be like, well, why are you sliding her in, like, above me? Yeah. <laughs> but, um, but, yeah, like, it seems like she has some kind of special privilege within Starfleet to be able to, like, A, go just, like, pluck somebody off of a pre-warp planet and be like, hey, you got a job now, buddy. And B, like, do the same thing later with Michael Burnham. Like, I like that makes me so curious about everybody that works on that Shenzhou bridge in the first. Like, I want short treks about all of them now because I'm right. I'm very curious about how they all got there. Uh, did you have a drunk Shimoda, Adam? Yeah, like the the idea of ship of orphans, I think, is is pretty neat. Um, my Shimoda is also Giorgio. Uh, but for different reasons. I I feel like first contact is a job for someone who is not just a lieutenant. Yeah. I thought it was amazing that she went down alone, uh, not knowing really anything about yeah. the Kelpians. I wondered about that. I wondered if they had communicated more than was shown. Yeah. Because we see the words hello and today, and that's mm -hmm. it. So you could interpret it as like, they they got the the words hello and they sent hello back and then they're like we gotta go get that guy. <laughs> there weren't enough characters to write boobless. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's a lot about Giorgio's mission here that I think is Shimoda esque. Like, there's a there's a confidence in the face of not really knowing anything about what you're getting into. Yeah, I think that is in the spirit of that character. Yeah. She's and, the uh, fuck it, hold my beer captain yeah. of, of this era. I love it. Great to see her, too. It was a nice surprise. Yeah, yeah. A good twist. Uh, 
Well, Adam, uh, that will do it for this episode of The Greatest Discovery. I think we're going to be back next time uh, finishing up that comic book, right? That's right, yeah. Uh, so uh, if you want to check out the 2018 Star Trek Discovery Annual, uh, we will be finishing our coverage of that up next episode, which comes out in a couple of weeks. Yeah. And, uh, and there's one more short trek on the horizon. Yeah, two weeks after that, back yeah. with short treks number four. Yeah. So, uh, and then we're once that's done, I think we're really close to the new season starting. Yeah, a season which just announced an extra episode, so it's not going to be 13 eps. It's going to be 14. Whoa. Is that going to be a problem for us schedule wise? I was I was just thinking that. Yeah, you and I have a pretty fun trip planned for around that time of the year. So, uh oh. <laughs> so we'll see how that goes. Yeah, we'll see if that uh, our, our final episode is not like a week or two late. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, I'm looking forward to all of that, Adam. And uh, in the meantime, we'll let Robs, our beloved producer, take it from here. Thanks, Robs. The Greatest Discovery is a Maximum Fun podcast, hosted by Adam Pranica and Ben Harrison, and it's produced and edited by me, Rob Schulte. Our theme music is by Adam Ragusia. Head on over to MaximumFun.org slash donate to support the ongoing production of our show. And a nice free way to support the show is to head on over to Apple Podcasts and give us a five-star rating and review. You can find Ben on Twitter at BenjaminAHR, Adam is at CutForTime, and I'm at Rob K. Schulte. All right, thanks. We'll see you next time. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported.